You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your eyes, I guess, if you're wearing your headphones incorrectly. We hope you're wearing them on your ears or just blasting this so that all your neighbors can hear it. Either way, we're not going to judge you. We're just appreciative of you listening to what we have to say on this podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Andrews. I am here again to guide you for another day of Blue Jays talk. And in a in a unique twist to this week, I am joined by my co-host, Ryan Miller, on the program. <laughs> yeah, we. I said it before, we need to make this a little bit more consistent, right? But I'm here, ready to rock and roll. And uh, ready to knock another one out of the ballpark. I I hope so because lately it's it's only been Justin Smoke and the occasional Devin Travis Grand Slam that goes out of the ballpark for the Blue Jays. But that that's a topic for the second half of the program today. We'll we'll talk about that and how it relates to the job security of one Blue Jay in particular. But. Uh, Miller, the Blue Jays completed a sweep. No, that was preemptive. They completed a split of their series with Atlanta. Everyone thought sweep with Sam Gaviglio going on the mound against Mike Fultonevich, which uh, I was not one of those people thinking sweep with an all-star on the mound for Atlanta. And, and well, Sammy G is not an all-star. You, he's barely in all MLB at this point, but uh, Sam Gaviglio did not last two innings, didn't get in a bat in that game, which hurt the Blue Jays lineup taking that 333 average out of play. <laughs> but no, it, it, was a, it was a bad performance. Gaviglio admitted as much in the postgame presser. Just his fastball was getting absolutely eaten up. And his off-speed stuff wasn't correcting it. And he was he was all over the middle of the plate. He threw 34 strikes of his 48 pitches. The problem is that there was contact made on 27 of those strikes. Which, generally, when your contact ratio starts resembling a goalie's save percentage, that's not a good sign that you're going to be effective on a given night. No, it's never a good sign when they start barreling up your fastball. No, no, he's he's been he's been fighting it, hasn't he? He's he hasn't been um, great since um, having three solid starts, four solid starts to start his Blue Jay career, if you will. Um, you know, in in June he had a nice a nice start to his June. He went seven strong innings, but then he hasn't been able to, uh, he wasn't able to do that for three straight starts. I know that he had a, a childbirth. Um, he didn't per se, but his uh, significant other did, mm. um, had a, you know, had a, the birth of his child and he had to take off. And I think he was actually pitching fairly well in that game before he, he was pulled to hop on a plane to, uh, be present for, for that. Um, but he he really hasn't looked all that great, and I don't think that as a Blue Jay fan that we should expect greatness from Gavilio. He's he is what he is. He's a, a six starter. I had 
had a nice little conversation with uh, with somebody the other day about you know what's his long term. Uh, what where does he fit in long term with the Blue Jays? And I said if if he if the Jays can keep him as a as a six starter, that's his that's his uh, his role. What do you think? I I'm inclined to agree with that because like it it's been obvious that the bloom has been off the same Gavilio Rose for like you said about a month. He other other than those first three starts he had the best start since then is arguably the one he had against the Yankees uh, the previous time out when he but he still couldn't go five innings in that game he reached his hundred count pitch limit very quickly in that one but. Yeah, you are you are entirely right. Sam Gavilio is a good six starter, and we confirmed earlier today that since he has options left, he's probably going to remain in that role. And if the Blue Jays come into a rotation crunch, it'll be Gavilio who likely leaves a rotation to head back down to Buffalo, getting that Tim Mesa ticket. But it, it yeah, com- he, he was he was a good he's a good pickup, right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely you know, worth the, the money so far. Yeah, you need you need those arms in in the um, in the organization, and you know he's. I I hate to pick on on the guys from last year, you know, like Latos, and even uh, I always thought that Casey Lawrence would do a little bit better because he had a he had decent strikeout numbers and a really good ground ball rate, but um, they didn't transfer. They didn't come up with him into the majors. He ended up just getting lit up all the time right um but that's the miners are full filled up with a lot of those types of guys that um you know they look really good in the in the miners they put up really nice numbers and they you just the numbers just don't transfer yeah and this kind of led to a discussion that we had prior to coming on to the show about where the blue jays rotation is really going to stand like for the rest of the season and what kind of hierarchy we can expect. And just a heads up, I'll probably end up writing about this on jaysfromthecouch.com because I need to write something at some point. (laughs) Generally a good idea for me to write things. But yeah, I, I wanted to get in that discussion kind of briefly with you, Miller, just to see where the rankings are. And for this exercise, we are going to assume... That J-Hap is dealt, so J-Hap will be not appearing in these rankings. We will keep... I, I say we keep Marco Estrada in there for now. The injury has kind of clouded things on whether or not he would be moved. If he is at this point, I think he might be an August move for a team. Um, but but let's just start. Um, Stroman Sanchez are 1-2, obviously. And the way he's been pitching lately, I would... Give the slight edge to Strowman over Sanchez right now. I think if half oh, yeah. on Strowman's your ace. Mm-hmm. Just until Aaron Sanchez can prove that his finger is not the equivalent of a Johnsonville brat. I I think we, we will stick him second there. Yeah, and I don't I don't think like let's the way that uh, Strowman has has pitched and stuff like that, I wouldn't wouldn't give him ace. I would say he's our first starter. <laughs> that that's fine. I'm I'm willing to give him ace for three out of four good starts. Okay, since coming back. Yeah. 
but you're more generous. Than, you're more generous than I. I have a different definition of ace, but <laughs> I, I am definitely the more caring of the two. Yes. Oh, you're fine. You're you're definitely an ace. You're doing really well, Marcus. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. So for proud. for this ex for this exercise, Marcus Stroman gets ace, and Sanchez gets number two starter. Yes. Okay. Um. But then this is this is where the interesting question comes in. Given the performance so far, is Marco Estrada, an injured Marco Estrada, still your number three? Or do you give in to the will of the people and anoint Ryan Barucki as an official member of the rotation and make him number three? No, I still go with Estrada simply for um, his experience. Um, and, and he hasn't pitched horribly. Um you know, I, I should really pull up his numbers because they may resemble uh, Gavilio's somewhat closely, uh, where he doesn't—he hasn't really gotten deep. You know, I—he I, had a, I remember Estrada had a nice start. Um, it might have been two starts ago, maybe three starts ago, where he—he looked—he looked like he was in rough shape, but then he started having a couple quick innings, and next thing you know, he got—he was in the seventh. Mm. Right, so. To me, that's that's a that's a three four. That's a solid three four starter. So, because we don't have a clear cut three, mm. um, I would give Estrada the three over Baraki just because. Um, in our last episode, I said that I still expect the league to adjust to Baraki, and I'm hoping I'm wrong. I am because I think he he showed. He showed a lot in his last start where he didn't have great command, he didn't have his his stuff, and he still fought. And he's faced um, he's faced the the Astros best lineup, Yankees pretty damn close to the best lineup, and now he's he's going into Boston in his mm-hmm. next one. So like, <laughs> what well, three fun. of the four best? Like you know, yeah, uh, he he'll show a lot. Like if if he doesn't if he doesn't get lit up. In Boston, um, then I'm going to have to retract my previous statement. I know only after after five or five starts. Yeah, after five starts, it's a little early to um, say that this guy's no longer a, um, a bullpen piece like I thought, or a back of the rotation piece like I said, and saying that he three. But I may have to. Yeah, just just. Just so everyone's aware, Ryan Barucki has made three starts at Major League level, and he's already fifth on the team in war this year. It's an accomplishment. And he, he's one war behind Jay Happ, who's going to get traded. So Barucki's number four most valuable Blue Jay this season, behind Justin Smoke, Kevin Pillar, and Sung Kwon Oh. <laughs> so I think that cements Ryan Barucki as a rotation piece. And yeah, we trade we trade a left hander, we promote a left hander. Exactly. That's, pre- that's pretty good uh, asset management. I I think that works pretty well. Mm-hmm. But then the question becomes Miller that five slot and Jaime Garcia is still sitting there on the DL. And I know everyone wants to forget that Jaime Garcia is sitting there on the DL, but he is making $8 million this year. So the Blue Jays are going to have to do something with him. And I'm not sure they can trade him away a la Francisco Liriano last year. So that that question becomes, first of all, 
when Garcia comes back, is the is he going to be back in the rotation, or do they even move him to the bullpen? First of all, and if they do do that, who really takes his place once Hap is traded? Because there are a couple options at AAA, and we we talked about this before the show, and we actually differed on who we wanted to see come up into that fifth slot for the Blue Jays. Well, my opinion on Garcia is they do put him back in the rotation. Um, as you said, what he what he's getting paid, you you have to you have to run him back out there and you know run run the flag run a flag up the flagpole, see who salutes type thing. Um, you know, I I hope that Garcia is able to make some sort of contribution to this team because we do have him signed through next year, so. He's he's definitely not a, a a DFA and hope that somebody another major league team picks him up because he hasn't produced. But he did pitch for three teams last year, so maybe I'm wrong. Yep, Minnesota was able to flip him after like a week. Yeah, which I mean so. that that's not going to set a record, but still, Mike Piazza knows what he's feeling. Yeah, so um, you know, who, maybe I don't think that they'd uh, if they could trade him. At the uh, that the deadline, and that's another reason why, if he comes back soon, soon we can maybe get a start or two out of him before the uh, the end of the month, and convince another team that hey, maybe he could be useful. And then if you get like a lottery ticket and eat four million of his contract or something like that at next year, yeah, just to, just to open up a spot, right? Because if if we are going into trading Hop and trading Estrada, and you just want to uh, run the um, the young kids at AAA that we're going to talk about in two seconds, um, then why keep, why keep Garcia, right? Well, the, well, the thing is, Garcia is paid $8 million this year. Uh, he does have an option for next year, and it's a club option. So Toronto can get rid of Garcia. Okay, well, that's, so, that's a relief. So, yeah, they, they don't have to keep him around. And that does open a slot up. Next year, it could be Sean Reed Foley. It could be Jordan Romano. Could could even be TJ Zoic if he has a really good spring training, I guess. But when we were talking before, the main options we looked at were Chris Rowley against Thomas Pannone. And I'm, I've been advocating for Rowley for a couple weeks to get him up. He's had a very good season for Buffalo this year. And a- after what happened last year, I... I would like to see Rowley get another shot just to see if he can be a major league arm at that level. He's made 16 starts this year for Buffalo. He's got a 3.45 ERA. So he's been very consistent for the Bisons. And I, I know when we were talking beforehand, you advocated for Pannone. And yeah. I, I just want to give you a shot to explain your reasoning there. Yeah, like I know, I know he's he's coming off of uh, his suspension, and he hasn't pitched a ton of innings this year, which I guess would be would be a bonus because he's that would mean he's fresh in quotation marks. Um, you know, I, I I think that another reason why Panone before Rowley is uh, Panone's on the forty man, Rowley isn't, so you got to make space. Now, if we're trading a bunch of guys, space is not going to be an issue, right? Yeah, j Hap um, can easily hand his spot to Chris Rowley on the way out the door. Right, unless unless we get somebody back 
in that trade that's going to go immediately on to the 40-man roster already on um, another team's 40-man roster, then then it becomes tricky, right? But if we're trading Hap or Estrada or Solarte for, for guys that are essentially lottery tickets and they haven't gotten on the 40-man roster, then it's an it's a non-issue, absolutely, right? Like, you have the room, add, add Chris Rowley. You know, the only... The only concern that I have with Chris Rowley is I feel Chris Rowley is more along the the Gavilio, hmm. um, where he he'll come up, he may have two two good starts, and then the league will uh, adjust to him. And uh, we saw it last year. Um, you know, he was I feel he was rushed last year, but he was a good story, right? He was he was just there was it just seemed like he had no competition in the uh in the minors because he was sub two era at i think two or three different levels so why not right bring him up he's a he's an older starter because of his his time in the military so oh yeah see see what happens right i would give him another start I would like to see him get another not another start uh, a chance sorry i would like to see him get another chance in the major leagues but I would like to see him after Thomas Pannone, just because Pannone has a higher ceiling. Mm. He's a lefty, and you know, like I, I want to, I want to see what he, what he can bring. I feel that he has um, fourth, fifth starter potential. Um, yeah. Where, where Raleigh, I, I, like I said, I think he's, more, he fits more of the Gavilio. Yeah. Right, and the only reason I'd bring him up is because I'd want to see if he indeed fits that, or if he's a four start. Like we're not getting rid of Rally. Like we have him. There's control. The same with Panone. There's control. You know. Yeah. So uh, Rally has three options. Panone has two. Yeah, and I think they have three. Sorry. Yeah, I I I mostly don't want to hold back on Panone just because this is a kind of a lost year for him with the suspension, and he. He has made a start at Buffalo, looked good, gave up two runs in six innings of work, allowed seven hits, but he he was primarily in control, didn't walk a batter too, which, you know, that's always nice to see when you have the control going like that. If, if there is something with Rally, it is that he does still walk quite a few batters, but he usually gets the ground balls to get him out of it. I... I would just prefer Panone get a little more time to reacclimatize to the grind of baseball. I, again, you take someone out for half a year, there there's going to be some adjustment period coming back. And I don't know if promoting... Like, if, if J-Hap was traded after the All-Star game next week, and you had to pick one of these guys to come up now, I'd be far more comfortable having Chris Rowley up than Thomas Pannone. I'd want to give Pannone more time to get back into the swing of things, right? So. Yeah, and I and I think I said like I'd like to see one more start at AAA for Pannone and then um, bring him up, right? Um, but yeah, that's that's the beauty, right? Having options is nice. Hmm. At least Nick Tepich isn't one of those options this year. So, he's an option. He's an option. No, he's no, he's not. No, he's not. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Not, not bringing up 626 AAA ERA, Nick Tepish. No. No. Well, it's too bad we don't have Deck McGuire still. Uh, I miss Deck. And and for all the for all the for all the listeners, um, 
you know, the reason why we haven't mentioned Sean Reed Foley is because, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at maybe Sean, like Sean Reed Foley has to be added to the 40 men roster, much like Chris Rowley. And, you know, maybe Reed Foley is more of a September guy. Mm. Or if you have, if you have other guys ahead of him that, um, they've already had their clock started, why not? see how they do in in August before you start the clock on a guy like Sean Reed Foley. Exactly. We we need to start a clock on an ad. So let's do that right now. Okay. We're back. Hopefully the advertisers are right with a bit of a late ad there. Went, went a little long on our rotation discussion, but be, that's because there are so many Blue Jays options to discuss. But... Um, Miller, before we tie a bow on this edition of Locked On Blue Jays, episode 68, by the way, so you know what that means for Fan Friday tomorrow. It's going to be nice. <laughs> um, I, I did want to mention one other thing from the Blue Jays game last night, and that was the way that Blue Jays had fight in them after going down 7 nothing. Because, like... and. I've seen enough 7 nothing Blue Jays games to know usually how that's going to go. It's like, all right, everyone's going to coast, the ship's sinking, blah, 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 and, and it just goes through. But I, it's a, been a theme this year that I've seen more fight from this Blue Jays team than I have from previous incarnations. Justin Smoke goes out and gets a, gets a pitch he likes and hammers it, and then... The Blue Jays take advantage of another Dansby Swanson error, which, as a fan pointed out to me on Twitter, was ruled a hit for Luke Maley, but come on, really? No. No, that's a Danby Swanson error. Just just give it to him. I, I know Luke appreciates a free hit, but everyone knows that was an error on Dansby Swanson. But anyway, that loaded the bases up for Devin Travis as a pinch hitter, and Travis just... Unleashed on one, he was so proud of it. He was carrying the bat with him, the first base, and that made it seven five. And that, again, that's the kind of fight back we don't normally see from a Blue Jays team. Now, granted, Ozzy Albius continued to do Ozzy Albius things and wreck it late against uh, the rest of the Blue Jays bullpen. I think it was Axford that. Oh no, sorry, sorry, Axford was clean. It was Loop. I, I should have remembered it was Aaron Loop who <laughs> gave up the home run, which that will be a discussion for another day because we may not see Loop in that bullpen much longer. But I, I wanted to get your thoughts, Miller, on the kind of fight they're showing and what this means for one John Gibbons because, you know, this has been a another tough year for him. Toronto supposedly has a managerial candidate that they like in the organization and Eric Wedge. And I wanted to get your brief thoughts on what you think seeing this kind of fight from a Blue Jays team that's fallen by the wayside means for the likelihood of John Gibbons coming back next year. Yeah. um, Gibbons seems to be a fan favorite. It seems like everybody likes him. He's he's not... um, it's not a jerk to the media. Like the media really seems to like him. <laughs> the players, the players seem to to really like him. And um, as I've as I've said before, he he does an amazing job at handling the bullpen. Um, so I would like I'd like to see him back. The only the only problem is is um, how do we feel about John Gibbons 
running a more of a, a, youth, a youth movement, a rookie mm. lineup than than the veteran laden lineups that he's had while he's been here. Yeah, I'm I'm actually all right with it because Gibby's proven himself to be a guy who kind of knows the older guys and is willing to give them as much rest as they need. So he's been playing younger guys. And like we saw that with the lineup last night, Lourdes Gurriel hitting six, which that that's not where I'd hit Lourdes, but I'm again, I'm not Gibby. And the, the fact that he's able to put him up there over Diaz and over Maley does show a bit of a commitment to these younger players coming out. And I, I think having John Gibbons around a guy who has experienced winning in recent years, back to back, ALCS berths for John Gibbons. Let's not forget that. Let's remind everyone of that every opportunity we get that John Gibbons was Final Four two years in a row. Just like England. But... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to get that dig in. But the way he's handled some of the younger guys already this year, guys like Guriel, like Barucki coming up, it has shown he's willing to put a lot of faith in his youth. And I think having that kind of a guy around who will build his guys up will be like, you know what? You, you struck out two times in a row, but you're, you're going to make contact that next at bat. You're going to get a solid hit. He he's that kind of motivator with, with this team. And he's also not going to take any kind of shenanigans. So I would, I would love to see Gibby stay here for the rebuild. I don't know if he wants to do that. I think he's more than eager to get back to his rocking chair in San Antonio and just kind of kick back. But I, I would love to see Gibby stay here for the rebuild. Yeah, he has, he has shown more um, flexibility with his lineup. And like you and I talked about in, uh, previously, is that um, he doesn't have the the handcuffs of having to massage the ego of, of Encarnacion and Bautista. And um, even with uh, Donaldson out of the lineup, I know we'd all prefer his, his bat in the lineup, but without Donaldson in the lineup, we, we don't have that guy that, Oh, well, I have to bat here. I have to bat there. Right. Um, we don't see those conversations. I'm sure all those conversations happen in the, in the clubhouse, but you know, we saw him put, uh, a hot Randall Grichik uh, bat leadoff, and his his only uh, explanation for it was, "Well, he's a hometown guy. Why not get him an extra at bat, right?" <laughs> and you gotta love that about Gibby, right? You gotta love that about. Him. So you know, yeah, I I do I do like the I do like Gibby. I I think that um, he would be a good good candidate, and I I love the um, the longtime managers for a team I, like it. It really allows a team to build an identity, mm. right? We've had we've had Gibby here in his second stint now since 2013. He's over 500. I know we're not over 500 the past year and a, and a bit, but you know he still has an over 500 um, record, right? He, yeah. Like you said, he had Goriel in there. He's been really good with T. Oscar. Right, so he has been willing to play the young guys. I would like to see him stick around. Yeah, I'm I'm inclined to agree. And and that story about him putting Justin Smoke into the game, into the lineup late, just because he remembered it was his bobblehead day, and then Smoke had like two home runs in the game. That, <laughs> that that's the one I kind of like. 
from from Gibby. Just like like he he manages with his gut and and he does embrace analytics as well. He's got that he's got that perfect combo of both, which you know I think will serve this team well moving forward, and it it will definitely serve us at Locked On Blue Jays going forward if he continues to manage this team because he's always fun to talk about as opposed to Eric Wedge who all I know about is that he shares the name of a guy from Final Fantasy right and 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 he did and he did um manage with Cleveland so he has that history with with Shapiro but um you know the the trend right now is to go with young guys right the young managers young guys that look at the saber metrics and all of that stuff um and it served it served philadelphia well now it didn't mm. look so great at the beginning of the the season with uh was it kepler um gabe kapler 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 not max kepler no. um you know so it, it it didn't look so great for them but he's he's turned it around and you know i, I if we could get like a kevin cash I'd love a Kevin Cash. I like him, but no, Wedge, Wedge just seems like one of those guys that are, you know he's been there, he's done that, and he wasn't successful. So, yeah, I'm not going to sign off on having Eric Hinsky as manager of this team just because he's supposedly a people person. So, right. <laughs> I'd, hey, I'd, I would I would love to see Sal, Sal Fasano. I saw him in the dugout <laughs> in, in in Atlanta. Man, I'd love to see him. He's he was a good guy. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But yeah. hopefully we won't have to talk about managerial ca- candidates next time <laughs> we're on Miller. But remind the people where they can find your work online should they want to yell at you. Uh, Mueller Ryan 11, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-R-Y-A-N 1-1 on Twitter. And um, you can always hit me up at Jays from the Couch on my uh, daily recaps, which I'll be knocking out right after this. Sounds good. You can find me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. You can follow the podcast at Locked On Jays. And we we will have an announcement tomorrow about some upcoming programming, which will relate to some some other thing. I'll get into it tomorrow on the Fan Friday episode. But Miller, thank you for coming back on and and fulfilling your co-host duties and <laughs> and actually being here. That's, it's always a pleasure, guys. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll talk soon. Sounds good. So for Ryan Miller, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening to Episode 68 of Locked On Blue Jays, and y'all take care. <laughs>